Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. We are looking forward to sharing our guests with you this week. Andy Gutman, President and Chief Financial Officer of Farbman Group and related companies, oversees the myriad of Farbman companies. Andy worked for much of his career in the arenas of accounting, finance, and asset management. He has spent over 27 years in commercial real estate, working for international and family-owned, multi-generational commercial real estate companies. With a focus on client service, customer satisfaction, and maximizing asset value, he derives pleasure and problem-solving and finding opportunities that provide appreciated value, additional revenue, and cost savings for the organization and its client. Andy Gutman cares about people, processes, community, and is committed to the corporate vision of operating with ethics and integrity. Andy is a songwriter and an author. He has licensed numerous songs to companies for commercial use and is the proud author of four children's books. Enjoy this episode. Well, Andy Gutman, welcome to the Action Catalyst. We're very, very excited to spend this time with you today. Well, Dan, thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be here. Well, as, as we've just heard, you've had a tremendously successful and long, influential career in commercial real estate. Is, is that something you, you wanted to do since you were very young? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you ask that. Uh, I don't think anyone ever wakes up in the morning and says, I want to go into commercial real estate uh, as their childhood dream. But uh, like a lot of people, I fell into it accidentally. Um, I actually grew up wanting to be a musician and I wanted to be Prince, basically. But I, I can't sing and I, I can't play a musical instrument, or at least I shouldn't do either of those. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, I wanted to be an accountant and I started working towards that. I got my degree in accounting and a few weeks before graduation, the firm that I was supposed to start working for was during the last recession in 91, uh, said, well, you know, we're not going to stay together as a firm. We were a very small group, uh, so we don't have a job for you anymore. And we're very sorry. And so... I went looking for a job for several months, working all sorts of part-time jobs, and fell into an accounting position with a local family real estate company, um, and just fell in love with the field. So I was doing accounting to start off, but I had this love for real estate from the first day I joined that company, and love it to this day still. Wow, that's fantastic. So sometimes you can be prepared in one direction and then fate intervenes and you end up in something totally different. That's what you really love. Absolutely. Well, I think that's great. Um, now, early on, as you were working part time and, and sort of moving from firm to firm, uh, I know you worked for another company before you got started with Farman Group and also an international firm. So I'm kind of curious, early on in your career, when you're just getting started, what, what were some of the challenges, the struggles, the, the lessons learned uh, before you, you ultimately settled in with Farben, where you've been for so long? Yeah, I think the, the biggest lesson I learned with the other firms that I worked for was that uh, I don't do well when my future is set in increments and set promotions. You know, when I first came out into the work world, uh, I had a company where, you know, at a certain point you would become a senior accountant. And then several years later, a supervisor. And 
than a controller. And to me, that that set future where you can't, through hard work, create your own path or your your future is limited in increments doesn't really work well for me because I, I like to work hard. I like to to crush learning curves. I'm not big at, at sitting and waiting for my future to come to me and saying, well, in seven years, I can, I can be this. Um, so I learned early on, I needed to be with a company that had an entrepreneurial spirit and let its employees have that as well. And that's what I've really liked about working for the Farman family. Not, not only are they iconic in the commercial real estate industry, and it's magical working for these people who've accomplished so much, but, but it's also that if you work hard, there's no limit to what you can do and there's no ceiling on your future. And that's something I tell our employees every day is your future is what you make of it here. And that's a fantastic thing. And it's, but it was an early lesson to me to say that type of company really isn't built well for me. Uh-huh. So you had the freedom to, to act and really to create your own future there. Because starting, starting off as an accounting side and then actually becoming the, the CEO and chief financial officer, president and chief financial officer, you've also had to learn a great deal about leadership, management, casting a vision, helping other people develop that as well. Um, how, how did you develop those skill sets to help other people gain the same vision that you had? Yeah, I think it's been a it's been a progression. I, you know, all of us learn over life, and um, you know, for me, I, I've had some great role models in my life. My my father was a, a leader in education. My brother is a leader in education. Uh, my grandfather was an entrepreneur in real estate, but residential. Uh, and my uncle has been a leader in the business community, and they were all great role models for me. But I've also worked for some amazing leaders, and uh, watching people like Bert Farman, who is uh, a legend in the Detroit area and has been involved in Detroit before it was popular to be involved in Detroit. Um, they've all taught me great things about leadership, things that I've learned to do and not to do. And one of the biggest things is that life teaches you. You make mistakes and you realize over your lifetime that it's nothing in life that goes wrong is fatal or final. And so I've learned over time, but uh, it's been more listening than it has talking. And uh, one of the great things my grandfather taught me early on, and it's a phrase that he didn't come up with, but I've always enjoyed is that you have two ears and one mouth and you should use them accordingly. And so I've always been more of a listener and taking in and absorbing the lessons of those who came before me and those that I work with. And I find you can learn something from everybody. Mm -hmm, absolutely. You've also made a lot of time for uh, volunteer work and are very active with the BBYO and helping to inspire young people. Is that also a value that you were raised with, uh, sharing and giving back and helping develop people? It is. It is. My grandfather especially was very big in giving back to the community, and uh, he felt it was one of the most important things you can do. And he always taught me that, that, you know, if you make a dollar, you should at least be giving a dime to charity and you should give your time to charity. And it's, it's had a really, you know, big effect on my life. But I've also wanted to give back to organizations that have, uh, have, been, have helped me through life. And B'nai B'rith Youth Organization has been one that uh, it helped me grow uh, when I was an advisor in it. Some of the former youth group kids that I've had have become the greatest leaders in all sorts of communities around the, around the world. And it's kind of beautiful to know that I know I, I wasn't a huge part in their lives, but just the little bit that I might have had of an effect in a positive way on their lives really has meaning to me. 
Well, the, even a small effect, but at a critical time in life can be a direction setter. So well thank done for you. Oh, thank you. Now, one of the many interesting things about you, Andy, is that you are highly accomplished financial executive, a real estate executive, but you also are an author and you're a songwriter. Uh, your first book came out in 2017. That's when you did your first song. Um, tell us about this foray into, into this creative side, unless you're actually two people. Is that possible? <laughs> depends who you ask. It depends. <laughs> I like to think I'm one, though. But, um, you know, it started as a kid. I really wanted to be a musician. I, I loved music. I loved writing. My father uh, was an English teacher and then an administrator. And so he taught me this love of literature. He taught me this love of music. Um, and so that's what I wanted to be. But I got my family gift of not being able to sing. And, uh, and my ability to play musical instruments was terrible. So I never thought... I'd be able to do anything with that. I kept writing uh, songs and poems uh, throughout my life. I've been doing it since I was a child. And I'd put them in binders and they'd go in the basement into storage after a certain amount of time. And then several years ago, uh, I started thinking about my legacy with my daughter and what, you know, what her memories would be. And we were, um, we were actually talking about uh, in, the, in a car ride about what she was studying in school. And I had been writing some songs and starting to actually practice um, getting them produced. So I was working with musicians, singers, uh, instrumentalists. Uh, and she started telling me about her studying caterpillars in school and uh, studying how they become beautiful butterflies in their time in the cocoon. But her version of it was they were in there trying on different wings and trying to be this beautiful, it was a fashion show for caterpillars. Mm which is much nicer than what really goes on in the cocoon. If you ever watch the nature channel or anything, like that. <laughs> but it, I said, well, you know, we probably should make that into a song. That'd be really fun. And she said, dad, you're, you're so embarrassing. Don't do it. And, and so I did. Um, and she liked it. And then we turned it into a book, but in doing that, it was the first book, which is Charlie, the caterpillar. Um, it, it became less about a fashion show and more about, I wanted her to know that she's unique and special because of who she is and that really every child has unique and special qualities that make them who they are. And I wanted every child to be able to learn that and know that. And so it turned into my first book, but I didn't sing. I wrote the lyrics. I wrote the book. Um, I had someone do the, the song. I had someone do the instrumental um, and I had someone do the graphics. And yet I was able to pull that all together to help create my dream which um, really was a great feeling when that was accomplished. Right. Well, a, a creator doesn't necessarily have to have hands on every aspect. It's the vision. It's the end result you have in mind and then the ability to pull a team together. You clearly have done that. And that's so true. That's, that's leadership in itself, isn't it? Right. Right. So uh, you've said a couple of times you, you can't sing, you don't really play an instrument, <laughs> but you've got the music in you. There's no doubt about that or it wouldn't have come out. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I really love, uh, I love music and I love sharing that with people. Everyone, everyone uses music as, as a way to feel emotions or to um, express their emotions. And so I don't know anyone in life who doesn't like music. Mm -hmm. Well, that's very true. So Charlie was the first book. And then uh, tell us about the others. Yeah. So the second one uh, was called Pop Lullaby. And it was based on songs that I used to sing to my daughter. I'd make up lyrics trying to get her to go to sleep as a baby. And so this is a book really about those 
made up songs that I would do. And I thought parents could use that to sing to their kids, try to get them to go to sleep. And I always tell the story. I say, you know, when my daughter was a baby, I think she fell asleep when I was singing to her just to fake, like she was done, like ready to go to bed so that I'd stop singing. Like that's where I think she was. <laughs> so it's smart enough at that age to go, okay, if I, if I pretend I'm asleep, he will go away and stop singing to me. But that was my second book. Um, the third was actually one of the, the earliest songs I wrote for my daughter. It's called Even. And it's really a, a tale. Um, I was working really hard. And I like to think I'm a hard worker. And I've tried to teach her this work ethic. Uh, but Even was written. Uh, I had gone to work two or three days in a row where she was asleep when I left. and kissed her goodbye. And then she was asleep when I got home. And I kissed her goodnight. Um, but I didn't get to see her awake. And it, it, there was a sadness to it. But I thought, does she even know how loved she is if I can't be there all the time? And so as a parent, we know we love spending time with our kids. We know we need a break every once in a while, but we love spending time with them. And this is for all the working parents in the world to know, you know, to let their kids know, even when I'm not with you, you're always on my mind, you're always loved, and uh, you're a special part of my life. And it's really, in this case, a father and daughter bond uh, between us. So that was my third one. And then the latest one is called What Can I Be Today? It's another Charlie the Caterpillar book. Um, and it's really about um, letting kids know they can be anything in life they want to if they put their mind to it. It gives them a lot of choices on what they can be. Uh, but it also gives them an opportunity. There's places in the book where you can color and you can color what Charlie should be, but also what you want to be in life. And it gets them thinking at an early age what they want to be when they grow up. Maybe they'll be musicians. Maybe they'll be authors. And so that's what the books are. And right now I've got uh, a new one in the works uh, that's about 90 days away. The song is done. It's called Be Kind and uh, coming soon. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, one of the members of our family of companies is called Inspire Kindness. And it is all about how important the kindness movement is. So it's exciting that you'll be in on that. Yes, thank you. That's a great thing that you're doing. Well, I'm intrigued by it, particularly by the, by the book, Even, because most of our listeners are, are really busy trying to build their business, build their careers. Many have families and, uh, and trying to strike that balance. Can you, uh, can you share, uh, maybe read a page or two for us? Sure, I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. And basically, the, the chorus of it is, even when I'm not with you, I'm always there. Even when I'm far away, in my mind, you'll stay. For all the times you wanted me near and the work was more than I could bear, even when I'm not with there, even when I'm not there, I'm always there. So it's really just letting, in this case, my daughter, but every child know I'm always with you. I'm always thinking about you. You're so special to me. I think it's fantastic. It also lets them know that the sacrifice is not without its own pain. You know, it's not just not being there. It's the pain of wanting to be there. So uh, that comes through just in those couple of pages you shared. Thank you. I think it's fantastic. Um, now, along the way, you've had to figure out some ways to get your time under control because you're running a very large business, leading a lot of people. You've been uh, honored for awards in commercial real estate development, uh, your volunteer activity. How do, you, how do you get it all done, Andy, and making time to write books and do songs and, and lead a business, be a family person? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? 
I sleep very little. Uh, that's the <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best one. When people talk though about work life balance, if you want to accomplish everything in life that you want to do, there really is it's tough to balance everything. Um, I, I tend to do it because I don't I really don't sleep a lot, but I also uh, I have a, a story I tell people. You know, I, have a, I had a coworker that worked next to me here at Farbman. He was in the office next to me for twenty plus years, and he was the head of our construction division. And he would always tell me he and I were the first ones in the office every morning. He actually beat me in every day. But he would come in and he'd tell me stories about, you know, the time he spent with his grandkids and the time he was spending with his wife. But that when he retired in X number of years, he was going to travel the world with his wife and he was going to spend even more time with the grandkids. And he was doing a countdown in his last few years saying, I'm two years away from it, um, 18 months. And one day he went home from work and um, he was talking to his best friend that he worked with on the phone, um, fell to his knees and died instantly of a heart attack. And he had a great life. But there were so many things that he didn't get done, like going and traveling the world with his wife, which was so important to him, uh, that it, it woke me up and made me realize that we all are living on borrowed time. We don't know how much time we have left. And so every minute to me is precious to do the things that, that I think are important to do in life before that time comes, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's in five years, I, I treat every day like it's borrowed time. And so... Every minute is precious to me. Now, we, we took this guy's life and we've now got a scholarship in his name to honor all the great things he did in this world. So he'll never be forgotten. But his life and his death were a wake up call to me to say, waiting for tomorrow to try to fulfill my goals or to live my dreams or to leave a legacy. I don't know that there is a tomorrow and I hope there is, mm. but. In case there isn't, I don't want to rest a day with, you know, go to bed thinking, what did I leave on the table? Oh, that is profound. And uh, thank you for that. So somehow you made, you made it a priority to write the books, to get the, the songs done, to really communicate this rather than say, this will be a retirement pursuit. You just figured out how to do it all at once. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in retirement, although uh, I have friends who've retired that really enjoy it. Uh, I, you know, I think I love working. I love what I do. Um, I think sometimes if you retire and you don't have anything to do, you know, you should really find something that you love because otherwise retirement kind of helps you fade away and you sit and watch TV or do something because you feel like you've worked enough in life. And uh, I have a coach that I work with, John Anderson, who has a book out called Replace Retirement. And he believes that if you do what you love and you do it every day, you never have to retire. And so I, I'm hoping I never have to get to that point where I retire. Yeah, I think it's awesome. One of my colleagues says, oh, retirement's easy. I've done it three times so far. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Because he keeps coming back for, for more things. Um, uh, how about on a slightly different note, could you share some of the some of the lessons maybe hard one lessons through mistakes you might've made and, and things that we can pass on to our listeners that can help them avoid that or, or learn from their own. Yeah. I think that the, the biggest lesson I learned early in my career, um, you know, when I was in my first job and I wasn't given that promotion, I had been, I'd been trying to be our accounting supervisor and uh, I was young still, was maybe three years out of school. 
but my boss had gone on leave, an extended leave for maternity, and I'd been doing her job, and I didn't get the promotion. And they said, well, at that time, you could still tell people you were too young to get the promotion. Mm. And told, nowadays, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. But, um, but when I was told that, it affected my ego greatly. And I kept thinking, I'm, you know, I'm good enough to do the job, but now I'm going to work for someone else. And so I made a decision to leave that organization out of ego. It was purely ego that left. Not that, because I liked working there. I thought it was a good place. I enjoyed it. Um, so I, I found another job and I quit. And the second job that I left it for really was not for me. I had enjoyed working at the first place so much better. Um, it ultimately led me to this wonderful company where I am today. So I have no regrets with that. I think mistakes lead you to where you're supposed to be anyway. Um, but it's the last time I really made a decision based on ego and my own uh, feeling of being hurt. Sometimes you don't get the promotion because it's not your time to get the promotion. Sometimes you're not the best for what, you know, you're trying to get and it teaches you to try to be better. And somehow my supervisor there said I wasn't ready and I, maybe I wasn't. Um, but, you know, I think the, anytime people make decisions that are ego based, they're setting themselves up for failure because the best decisions are made in a neutral capacity are made in what's in the best interest of the company that they serve or the people that they serve in a humble servant leadership capacity. And that's, that's probably the biggest lesson in life that I learned was not to ever make decisions based on what's best for me, but what's best for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's a difficult one when popular culture in particular says, find your path and pursue it and self-actualize all the rest of that. What you're saying is you can do that within the framework of of not being a subservient, but being servant as a leader to the firm, to the people around you and all the rest. Absolutely. I believe strongly in, in the leader eating last, all the cliche sayings that are out there that, you know, the, the organization, I, I have this honor of serving the Farben family and all the employees that, that we have and have their lives to be responsible for. So every day I come in here with that sense of purpose that, I need to do my best work that day to make sure the organization continues to succeed, make sure that people whose lives are depending on our success uh, have that comfort and confidence and can live good lives. And so uh, it, it is with that in mind that I, you know, I believe in servant leadership to the nth degree. It's one of my you know, biggest beliefs. Well, I think you're characterized by gracious and grateful humility, Andy. I'm hearing it in everything you say. Oh, thank you so much. Um, what what are some ideas you have for people that might be listening that are really discouraged at this point? They've had such a series of setbacks that they really don't know where to turn. Do you, do you have some tips or pointers on how to get back going again when somebody's just been stymied? Yeah, I, you know, it, it all depends on the situation. I think everything is situational, but I think the one thing that that I tell people, don't lose hope. When, you know, there's there's no setback that's permanent for you unless you let it be permanent. And uh, a minute worth of failure does not define you forever. And so I tell people, pursue your dreams relentlessly every day. Don't give up because one person might see you in a certain light. You know, uh, you might lose your job one day and have to look for another one. It doesn't mean that you aren't great at what you do. It means in that situation, they didn't see your full value. And now you have the opportunity to go out and show someone else your value. 
But the other thing I tell people is maybe you're not doing what you love and you should. You should always pursue something that you love to do and get energy from. Because if you're doing something and pursuing a career that that brings you enjoyment every day, then you're going to succeed at it no matter what. Eventually, you will be successful. Because the more you put into it because you're getting enjoyment, the better your performance. And so I, I like to tell people, we all have setbacks. We all trip. We all fall. Um, but unless you stay down, you're not down forever. Yeah, and staying down is a choice, isn't it? It really is. Stay down or bounce back. And it's easy. You you can understand why people get in a rut. You know, it it affects you greatly when you fail at something that you put your heart in or your soul into. But uh, I love the entrepreneurial spirit, the people that form their own companies, whether they succeed or failure, fail, they keep going and they find that next one. And they keep trying to reach that, that area of success. The entrepreneur has such a better um, sense of motivation than your daily worker, because they can, they can fail. They can get doors slammed on them over and over. And it doesn't hurt their sense of spirit. Or I think if we all did that, whether, you know, we're working for a living or we're working for life or creating our own business or working for someone who has, it's finding that love and that energy. It'll make you successful. Mm -hmm. And then back up every time. Work it like an entrepreneur, even if you're an employee, take, take that same approach to it. That's fantastic. Well, tell us about availability on, on your books and, and your music. How do we how do we locate these and when will we know more when the next one's out? So the, the books and the music are available everywhere online. The best place to go for updates is my website, gutcheckpublishing.com, G-U-T-C-H-E-C-K, publishing.com. Um, everything, though, is on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon.com. Uh, Twitter, you name it, all the social media sites. Uh, but you can find all that there and all the upcoming events. Uh, we're doing a lot of fun stuff with uh, our Charlie, the butterfly mascot who goes to schools and goes into uh, areas that, that need hope and need, uh, need someone to care about them and tell them they're great. And so a lot of fun things coming up and you can see them all there on the website. That's great. Well, we love that. And we hope that we'll be able to pursue that and encourage all of our listeners to look into that as well. Andy, this has been a very motivational period of time. Um, you said some things that were personally very meaningful for me without you even knowing it. So thank you so much for sharing. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so honored to be on your show. Well, we wish you continued best of success and keep on writing. And my only advice on singing is just sing louder, just louder. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Ed. Thanks. Okay. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.